0: From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C.
1: This is Rob Casper at the Library of Congress. Late September will mark the 12th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The festival, which is free and open to the public, will be two days this year, Saturday, September 22nd, and Sunday, September 23rd, 2012. The festival will take place between 9th and 14th Streets on the National Mall, Rain or Shine. Hours will be from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday the 22nd, and from noon to 5.30 p.m. on Sunday the 23rd. For more details, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Stephen Dunn, whose latest book is titled Here and Now. Dunn is the author of 16 poetry collections, including the 2001 Pulitzer Prize winner, Different Hours. He lives in Frostburg, Maryland, with his wife, the writer Barbara Heard. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Mr. Dunn.
0: Happy to do it.
1: Well, let me start with uh, a question based on your uh, bio, as I said, you've written 16 books of poetry. So my question is, simply put, how do you continue to turn to the form and one that's always so quick to make you start again?
0: Uh, it's a good question. I don't know the real answer to it. I could make up one.
1: Go ahead. I, make one up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I tend to put myself in, in places where I could work, uh, which is usually a, a quiet room, and see what happens and I rarely these days have a plan Uh, I do do have a notebook that I keep rather full throughout the year uh, which I never look at until I go to say Yaddo or McDowell And and it's not anything of mine in the notebook it's usually pithy sentences by other people which often stir poems, and I count on that a little bit, uh, but not always. Uh, I just find myself—this uh, is, is what I do, you know. It's like it's like my job, <laughs> uh, and to translate experience, and and I've been doing it for a long time, and, I'm, and it seems like I'm—I'm I'm surprised that I always seem to have a next thing.
1: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I wonder about those uh, 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 statements you collect. Do you, in responding to them, argue against them? Do you elaborate on them?
0: I often uh, use them uh, directly to begin a poem and then try to screw them up a little bit so that they will be mine uh-huh. rather than the person's. Uh, and sometimes I give credit to the person. They come from, uh, or not, or I don't. If I screw them up enough, uh, change the syntax a little bit, uh, make them enough mine, transform them. In other words, uh, then I, uh, I, I think it was Einstein who said, when asked about creativity, he said creativity is learning how to cover up your sources. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I understood that perfectly. Uh, so a good many of my poems. Uh, take their inspiration, if you'd like, from, from something that somebody else has thought or said, and, uh, and then I try to transform it into something of mine. But that's, that's one of the ways I work. Uh, the, the other way is just to sit down and see what happens.
1: Yeah, they certainly both make sense. Um, in reading uh, your new collection... Uh, it was hard not to see um, Ars Poetica all over the place, or arguments for poetry. Uh Uh, The first poem, The Puritan and the World, does not disappoint in that regard. Uh And I wanted to ask if you think your poems try to quote, quiet the world as it continues to spin and dazzle. (laughs)
0: Uh, No, I just try to get it right. You know, it's, uh, I think one of the original impulses for my writing uh, was that other people's versions of the world didn't make a lot of sense to me. So to impose or, or write something that were, to make sense of my experience and hopefully other people's experience has always been somewhat of a motive. Uh, I think you're right about the uh, the artist poetica notion. But I think I think the second section in that book uh, mostly deals with that. The Puritan one uh, seems to me, well, I, I suspect every American has, you scratch an American, you have a little bit of a Puritan there. But I, I, I think that is a persona poem. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not that person uh, as much as I uh, know that person. I don't think I am that person. Uh, but I, tried to, I tried to make a credible Puritan <laughs> in that poem.
1: Uh, is it fun to play with the range of who you may be as speaker and uh, a persona that you may be putting on to try out? Do you find that you're often um, aware of whether or not the voice is "quote unquote" your voice or or one that that allows you some creative leap?
0: Yes, I am. Uh, but I always, I think, my poems feel right to me. When they're in something like my voice, even though the content of that voice may be uh, somewhat different than, or a good deal different than I am. Uh, One of the things I've learned about my books in the past several years is that even when the poems feel very disparate to me, where I don't know quite how they're going to hang together, they always seem to others to hang together because of some consistency of voice.
1: Does, do, do people respond to a consistency of voice that is tonal, or is it a sort of way in which you deal with the subject matter?
0: I think uh, tonal is nice. Uh, yes, I, I think I think it's tone. Uh, a good bit of it is tone, and it's also mixed with. Uh, Let's see which I should a certain kind of dialectic movement down the page mm. uh, where my my philosophical tendency is to uh, every time I hear myself making a statement, I almost always hear its opposite. Mm-hmm. So I, I work that way uh, uh, dialectically and try to cover that up a little bit uh, so that everything seems as if it's seamless. And, uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I think our lives are kind of absurd and strange. And I think one of my jobs as a poet is to normalize that strange and to, try to just try to get the world right.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring up that, that, that contrariness that I wanted to talk to you about. Do you think that, that that sort of way in which you celebrate moving against even an argument that you might create um that there's something uh, about that movement that poems most perfectly capture, or that 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 uh, um, sort of feed into the power of a poem.
0: Yeah, uh, I was I was looking at uh, this is maybe tangential, but I was looking at uh, famous people's last words. <laughs> and the one I liked best was Ibsen's, which was. On the contrary, <laughs>
1: that was the last thing he said.
0: Yes, yeah, last thing he said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what a way to end! Wow, yeah,
0: that pleased me a great deal. I I, I can imagine if I was alert enough at that time, uh, saying something like that. Uh, but I certainly liked it, and I I think I I am somewhat of a contrarian. I'm not, at least in my house. I'm known that way. My my wife always accuses me of saying, "No first before I say." anything like a maybe or a yes. And I think i, I that makes me somewhat obnoxious as a person, perhaps, <laughs> but I think it's very useful for the art uh, to arrive at a better yes.
1: Yeah. And I imagine to question things, to, to argue against what's accepted uh, or expected.
0: Yeah. Uh, the... I mean, if 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 we're not if poets are not going to uh, war against the acceptable or the overused, uh, I don't know who is. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think you know, you know that great statement by Paul Eloard, "There's another world than it is in this one." That's uh, one of my credos, uh-huh. and uh, I think one of my one of the things I'm always after is that other world that exists in this
1: one. Well, and it's interesting reading reading your poems again in the new collection. Uh, it made me think about uh, how much you invest imaginatively in uh, um, both honoring and, and uh, enlarging uh, uh, the world that you know or that we recognize. And it made me... Want to ask you about that cliche, that writing cliche, which of course has value. Write what you know, and yeah. how you feel about that.
0: <laughs> I try to write what I don't know. Uh, uh, the uh, I think, what is it? Uh, Franz Klein, the the abstract expressionist. He had a wonderful statement that I think applies to what I do in poetry or what I would like to do in poetry. He said, "If I write, if I paint." what you know, I bore you if I paint what I know. I bore myself So I paint what I don't know. And uh, my poems are, I think, in process, are always moving toward things that I did not yet know. Mm -hmm. Or I half knew, I probably
1: Mm -hmm.
0: half knew knew them and found some way to articulate them. At least that's why I'm most pleased with where I am in a poem. if I don't startle myself, you know, I feel I'm, uh, I'm just a smart guy speaking, you know, reasonably smart guy speaking, and that's that's, uh, there are a lot of those folks around. I'm a poet when I start to make discoveries.
1: Yeah, but the world that you, the your poems create is so familiar, and there's a real art to, uh, creating discoveries within a world that readers can recognize within a world. Yeah. Um, that 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 you know, uh, that's part of say a conversation you could have with a friend.
0: Well, I like I like you. you I like hearing you say that. Uh, that of course takes all the precision and hard work you can muster. Yes. To give that uh, that sense of of credibility and simplicity. Uh, yeah, I do strive for that, and I love when people. Uh, say I'm honest, for example, Uh, I feel uh, I'm a rather closed personality who, at least in poems, I say as much as, I I reveal as much as I think is useful to the poem, uh, rather than uh, spilling my guts or anything like that, Uh, and that people mostly think I'm telling the truth, which is very nice. I'm telling I'm telling as much of, of of what I can or what the poem will bear I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's very different from from uttering things. Yeah. I think it's uh, one one of the things I find with my students for example when they when they start to become good they they change from being utterers to makers. Hmm. They know that a poem has to be a made thing. Yeah. Makes all the difference.
1: No, that makes sense. My last question is just about uh, the issue of tone in your poems. Do you think poems work best to, as ways to balance, say, humor and uh, sadness or loss uh, and to sort of live in the tension of those two or, or um, insight and a kind of unknowing?
0: Well, I, I do like poems where I can manage multiple tones. I think that's, that that always approaches, our, something like that. What is our lives? Uh, that there is humor uh, and serious. That humor can be blended with seriousness, or that it, uh, seriousness arises out of humor, or I mean, it comes down to how we look at the world, and uh, you know, it seems like a rather absurd place to me. Hmm. Uh, I mean, tone is essentially author's attitude towards subject, and there are various ways of conveying that. But you know, I'm often reading poems where I can't divine tone at all, and then I don't know where I am.
1: Reading uh, other people's poems.
0: Other people's poems, yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: And you can hear when, you, when your poems click into a tone that sounds, that sounds like you, that's moving forward, that's, that's sort of em, embracing all these things or balancing all these things.
0: Yeah, well, you know, my friend Dave Smith says, has, he has a wonderful essay called The Second Self. And he said, when we're writing well, we, we click in, we trip into our second selves who are smarter, more moral, etc., than we are. And I think I, I recognize when I'm in that mode, when my poems do click in, and I'm writing them with my second self, which is uh, uh, always where I feel most comfortable. And it's, it's kind of mask too, which permits you to say things that your, your regular self
1: wouldn't be able to say. Are you surprised by the things that you say? that may be more critical or more more um... stark or are you surprised by the things that you say that may be more hopeful or more generous
0: that's a great question i, th- I think uh... uh... i am surprised when i can achieve any delicacy of thought <laughs> uh, any, anything that uh... Is I think the sh- the the bold things the shocking things that one could say uh, are easier to arrive at than the great delicacies and and I'm pleased when I arrive at some kind of, kind of ethereal ethereal is the wrong word but so, so, some kind of uh, of quality of mind that is hard to achieve and I mean, it's why uh, in the third section of "Here and Now" there are a lot of political poems, which I'm pleased—some of which I'm very pleased by—because I think they're the hardest poems to write. Because when you write political poems, you usually know your ideas in advance. So, how to surprise yourself? How to make the poems uh, yours or the subject yours? and not fall into banalities, is uh, an achievement. I think I there's probably two or three or four in that section where, where I thought I managed that.
1: Well, and that's certainly important to uh, the goings-on uh, here in Washington, D.C., the capital city. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've been hearing from Stephen Dunn, who will appear on Sunday, September 23rd, in the Poetry and Prose Pavilion at the National Book Festival on the National Mall. Mr. Dunn, thanks so much. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.